there is a bone in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bone in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut out all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Psalm 12 in the ESV. Well, hello, Grant. Hi, Brian. How are you? I am doing well. I am safe in my home, but I have, Good. Not, I have not been home all day. I've been at work because I, I am essential. I am glad that you, um, A, have a job, and B, you're always essential to me, Brian. Yes, and Chick-fil-A is always essential to everyone. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, as one people... Stand and applaud your contributions to keeping the chicken uh, coming. Thank you. And yeah. it is my pleasure. Um, <laughs> so, so today is yeah. Saturday. You yes. are listening to this, hopefully on Monday, hopefully. Um, we've, we've been a little, a little slow releasing lately, but... I I plan on spending some time tomorrow trying to edit the podcast, but tomorrow is Easter Sunday. And uh, this Easter Sunday is going to go down in the history books as the Easter Sunday that nobody went to church. <laughs> the, the Pope preached to an empty cathedral. Uh, that happened. Um, well, he also said that the coronavirus is sent from <laughs> Mother Earth. Yes, it's nature's um, because revenge. of climate change. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure that was M. Night Shyamalan who came up with that theory. Um, uh, if you've ever watched the movie The Happening. It was, I have not. It was bad. It was uh, the trees were getting their revenge by sending out pollen that made people kill themselves. That's literally <laughs> like that was the plot of the movie. It was bad. So the coronavirus is the trees sending out pollen to make people cough. 
And if you're listening to us in the year 2021, I'm sure worse things are happening. Oh, I'm now. sure. I'm sure Corona's probably not gone away, and we were probably seen as the people who started it all, and it was our fault. <laughs> and Chick-fil-A should have closed because nobody's essential. Um, no, it's a, it's not a laughing matter. Corona is, is real. No. And, uh, stay home, folks. Stay home. And uh, I saw a nice little meme that had it pointed to uh, the index toe on a little baby. I always called the index toe, and it said, "Be this little piggy." <laughs> and I showed that to so many people. They're like, "I don't get it. What is that one?" It's like this Those little are piggy. Those the ones who don't home. have children. <laughs> yes, this little piggy stays home. Yeah, non kids. Uh, I, I work with are. a lot of seventeen-year-olds. Um, oh well. Yeah. So anyway. Big show ahead today. This is uh, episode 12, uh, official canon episode 12. We're really like somewhere like 18 or 19. I don't know. Um, hey, this is a big moment, though. Most podcasts don't make it past episode 10. Um, is some a stat I heard nice. a long time ago. Well, yeah. we made it past episode 10, like on episode 7. <laughs> we're just that great. <laughs> we're, just that, we're just that good. Um, and, and yeah, we're... Constantly talking about more special episodes in the future, uh, hopefully. But that said, um, every four episodes, we like to, one, go through a couple songs, two or three songs we've heard on the radio, just to kind of give them a brief overview. And then every eight episodes or so, we like to take two songs and kind of pit them against one another. And so that's what today is. Um, So we're going to go over two songs in particular later. Uh, Resurrecting by Elevation Worship and Death Was Arrested by North Point Inside Out and it is just completely by the timing of the Lord that we are doing this right before Easter Um, so it's kind of an Easter episode unintentionally because we planned these episodes out months and months even before we even started recording so it's just kind of fun how how that worked out so uh, yeah. the the two songs I kind of want to go over in the icebreaker, uh, we're not going to go over the entire song. Uh, I don't think we really need to to get to what I want to talk about. Uh, but also, uh, we don't want another three-hour episode. Um, so uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to read, um, I think this is like verse two, from a song called Through Your Eyes by Britt Nicole. And uh, the song Through Your Eyes, ultimately, I think is really, I think what she was trying to do is talk about, you know, the imputed righteousness and like the wearing of Christ's righteousness. Um, And when God saw me, he sees Jesus. And so she's asking uh, God, basically, if she can see herself through his eyes and uh, so that she can kind of shake off the sin that she sees in herself constantly and kind of move on from it and repent and be sanctified. That's kind of the idea awesome. yeah. of the song. I, I don't really think she did a great job um, communicating that, but uh, in this particular verse, she says something that I really don't think she meant to say, but I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, uh, you love me even when I fall apart. I can't explain it. That's just who you are. You don't want perfection. You just want my heart. 
um, she says that God doesn't want my perfection. That is a truth claim that she states in this particular song. Yeah, would you agree with that? I don't. <laughs> uh, I pulled out three very specific scriptures. Uh, one is from a New Testament passage, or from an epistle. One is from the law, and then one is from the verbatim words of Christ in Matthew. Uh, so in First Peter one fourteen, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And uh, holy means set apart. It doesn't necessarily mean perfect, or but it, there is an implication in this context um, that we're talking about a purity. We're talking about you know repentance. We're talking about um, we're talking about obeying the law. So mm-hmm. this particular aspect of holiness is we are holy in that we obey the law that the heathens don't even have. And so uh, that is the context that, that Peter is referring to. Uh, there are, I think about 10 or so passages in the law that say this, but I went ahead and just picked one Leviticus nineteen one says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Um, in both of those, uh, we are mentioned, we people need to be holy for God is holy. And um, God is perfect. And so that holiness does need to mean perfection. But just in case, just in case you want harder proof, uh, Matthew five forty eight, which is the words of, of Christ, the verbatim words of Christ, he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so uh, we are told many times throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, through the specific verbatim words of Christ. So whether or not you are a, you believe the whole Bible, just the New Testament, or just the red letters, it still is all there. Uh, <laughs> uh, please don't just believe the red letters. Please don't just believe the red um, letters, or don't don't unhitch yourself from the Old Testament. Uh, um, we'll get into that one later. Yeah, it's coming up. That's going to be coming up soon. That's yeah. Um, but anyway, it, when Brit Nicole says you don't want perfection, that is not a true truth statement. That is a false truth statement. And that's something that we need to avoid in our music. Um, I don't think she meant it. I think what she meant is probably something really similar to what Micah Tyler says in his song, even then. Um, and I remember the first time I heard this song, this this line really made me question because I had thought of the Brit Nicole song. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, the more I, I do agree with what Micah Tyler says. Um, and, and I think this is also his, I think, verse number two. It says, When the days up ahead look a little bit brighter, but the grip of my past holds a little bit tighter, I'm reminded your grace never asks for perfection. Oh, I'm restored because I'm yours and I stand forgiven. And that word, I'm reminded your grace never asks for perfection. That means so much more. It's at, it adds one word into the mix 
but but it's the right word. And I think this is what Brit Nicole meant. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do not need to achieve perfection before we are saved. Uh, well, for, more so that we can't. Right, we right. can't. But for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right, and uh, and also uh, in Ephesians two eight it says, you know, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, we can't be perfect, right? But uh, but what I think what Brit Nicole meant to say, and what Micah Tyler does say is that perfection is not a prerequisite of salvation or my perfection is not a prerequisite of salvation. Christ's perfection was a prerequisite for my salvation. And, uh, and so that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be perfect because I can't be perfect. And his grace doesn't ask me to be perfect. However, his sanctification does. And so, uh, you know, my justification, justification does not require perfection. Sanctification does. And so um, we will never be fully perfect until we are fully sanctified. Um, right. But every every day that we, that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to repent of sin and do what Christ asks, um, that is, um, we're becoming perfected. We are becoming more like Christ. And... Uh, yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, I was just going to add to that, that uh, when we are justified, um, that is when Christ puts his righteousness on us. Mm-hmm. Like he gives us his robe of righteousness and clothes us in it. And uh, you would think that we get it all dirty with our sin, but yet um, instead it's uh, those very robes that, um, you know, metaphorically speaking, uh, cleanse us all the way through to the heart. And that's that process of sanctification that you're talking about. Yeah. And, um, um visually speaking, uh, Bible project did a really good video on this and I'll have to look it up. I think it's the one on holiness probably. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I think it, it well, okay. There, there's that one. Uh, give me that one. But the one I was thinking of is the Bible project on, the book of Leviticus. Yeah. Both of those, uh, the one on Leviticus and the one on holiness have a lot of the same imagery imagery in the videos. Uh, we can link to both of those in the show notes. Um, the one on holiness is it talks about how, when we sin and we touch something, that mm-hmm. object that we touch becomes unclean. Yes. And, um, but then when Christ touched people, when Christ touched the lepers, the leprosy did not make Christ unclean, but Christ's touch made the leper clean. And so it was working in reverse. And uh, so I thought I always thought that in the, just the way that they did the animation was just really cool. So well, if you yes, don't like, is... if you don't like looking at pictures of Jesus, do not watch the video on holiness. Yeah. Let's put a big old, big old disclaimer. CV on there. Yes. Um, that is, that is one caveat. And also the other caveat that we, typically bring up with the Bible project is that they are They're not always uh, reformed people. in their thinking, yeah. but they are very good teachers they and are. they are um, it, at least, at least here. I think that uh, they're pretty, 
pretty spot on. Yeah, I think on their videos they tend to try to not put in their the vi- the their views that they know are more polarizing. They try to be more broad, and and I think that is a good mark of being a good teacher. Um, was that thunder that I heard on your end? <laughs> well, yes, it was. Well, yes, it was. We have all kinds of lightning. Uh, we have. Yeah. Um, we have rain uh, spattering. Uh, so we have a little overhang in front of the window in front of my office here. And uh, we're getting rain under that that is hitting uh, fairly high up on the window too, indicating fairly decent wind speeds as well. Yeah. So uh, for those listening at home, our very first episode that we ever tried to record um, <laughs> got interrupted by a tornado on Grant's end. So hopefully we will not be doing that this time oh joys of living in oklahoma oh yeah i grew up in the uh i grew up in arkansas which was right next to oklahoma and we got a lot there too um well you must get some storm warnings in st louis some yeah it's not as not as many not as many as we did in in arkansas and uh tennessee we had a lot as well when i went to college uh yeah and they had that one really bad one Uh, in fact um uh well, he's on. This is a great time to uh, mention that we do have a Slack channel yes. on the Tech Reformation, uh, slack.techreformation.com. And one of the guys on there, um, he doesn't post so much on there anymore, but on Facebook, like he was only five to 10 miles away from one of the most destructive uh, tornadoes that touched down uh, there in Nashville. Um, oh, yeah. The one not recently. too long ago. Yeah. yeah. That one was crazy. Yeah. Thankfully, he and his family were okay, which is fan- wonderful because, yeah, it was uh, pretty scary for sure. We There's a tornado, a pretty big tornado that hit Jonesboro, Arkansas, where I'm from, um, last week. But due to the uh, quarantine, uh, no one was in the restaurants. So, <laughs> so that was a blessing. It uh, was a blessing. Yeah, it really was. Um but yeah, it was, it was really destructive. So anyway, it sounds like a great so, time to segue into the main topic. Okay. Let's um, do it. So, uh, this time we're going to take these two songs and I'm going to read through the whole, uh, I'm going to read through the whole first song. I, I might uh, read through four lines and then kind of give some brief, uh, commentary. And then, uh, when I finish the song, we can talk about it more in depth. Uh, and then we'll go to the second song, do the same thing, and then kind of talk about where they were similar, where they were different, and uh, how one did a better job than the other. And so uh, this first song, Resurrecting by Elevation Worship. All right. Um, and I want to start yes. off by saying there's yeah, there's some so. really good stuff in this song, and then there's some really bad stuff in the song, and then there's some really bizarre stuff in the song. Um, and it's really easy to see the good stuff, especially since it's like really front loaded with good stuff and then uh, kind of forget what's going on. So the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory. Now the savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at his feet, we bow the one who wore our sin and shame now robed in majesty, the radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see. Um, all of that's good. I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about any of that. Um, you know, we get sin mentioned, we get some really nice poetry in there. 
um, you know, we, we get some nice reversals, like the, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. Um, he knelt about to wash our feet, but now at his feet we bow. Uh, he wore our sin and shame, but now he's robed in majesty. Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there's some there's some really good stuff in there. I don't really have much to to say about that. Um, the chorus, which comes right after that, is uh, your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Um, first negative thing that I want to point out is the word victory. Mm. Um, victory is mm-hmm. one of those buzzwords. Oh um, yeah. It's not necessarily wrong, but it's, it's really vague and it's one of those words that needs to be, um, it needs to be parsed out and needs to be defined, needs to be set into a context. Uh, and this one just isn't, it just, your name is victory. Um, all praise will rise to Christ our King. Um, we don't ever, they don't, the song never says the word Jesus. It says Christ. It points to Jesus. It is clearly about Jesus, mm-hmm. but it never says the word Jesus, which is his name. And so to say your name is victory, but then not say Jesus is odd. Um, and, uh, yeah. I just wanted to point that out. That's in the chorus. It's just, it's, that's odd. Um, so let's go on to the next verse. It's uh, the fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Um, this verse is a little less solid than the first verse. Um, we do get the my, my favorite word in the world, fear. Um, <laughs> it's, it is not in this particular context, they're not saying fear instead of sin. We've already established sin in this particular song. Right. Um, and so, so it's, it's not as bad. So and fear bad. does hold us uh, back in a way. Right. Right. And, and especially since he's, he, uh, he, re, um, compares it with peace. The fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. I completely am okay with the word fear in this, in this context. It is talking about legitimate fear. It's not fear instead of sin. And it is fear uh, instead of peace. Or actually peace instead of fear. Um, so we're... Um, yeah. So this is a prime example, folks, of a time the word fear is used in the right context. And uh, I give that at least one thumb up. Uh, <laughs> It's the next line that's kind of weird. Uh, his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Um, mm. I don't really know what they're trying to say there. Um, I know that if you look at like you know the Genesis uh, narrative where the breath uh, or God's breath went into us and right. and made us Numa. alive, sure, and that's you know physical life. Um, and his death on the cross gives us new life. And so I think that's what he's going with this. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But it's still like really awkward. Yeah. It's really awkward. It's a little bit mystical. Um, it's trying to, it's trying to hit a, um, like a, a biblical reference, but not quite hitting that biblical reference. Um, 
but if that was the only, if that was like the biggest thing that was in the song, I would not even bat an eye at it. It's the rest of the song that really puts this on my I don't think I'd ever play the song at, in a church service list. The bridge says, "By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected mm. king is resurrecting me." In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. This is a bridge that's repeated like 700 times. And it's a chanting bridge with like, uh, it just builds and builds and builds. And there's usually really drum heavy. And, um, <coughs> and it's one of those things, and I've talked about this before. This is one of those like pseudoscience issues where, when you have a repeated chanting building uh, part of the song, and if you do it just right, it can almost put someone into a hypnotic trance. And this is one of those moments. This is one of those, like if you're there and like the band is really rocking it, you're like all in and you're just chanting along and you're almost yelling it by the end. And then afterward you're like, wow, that was, I was not in the same mental state that I was at the beginning of this song and uh and it's trying to emotionally charge you to have to make a connection with the song that is isn't necessarily something that you need to have um well or it also contains one of your most favorite things mm-hmm. ever um where it says from the ashes of defeat which is of course a reference to the uh, rising phoenix of phoenix. Uh, greek lore or wherever it came from mm-hmm. and in it's uh syncretism really yeah, it's a syncretistic line thin, thinly veiled uh mm-hmm. so yes by your spirit i will rise um, but then from the ashes of defeat. So who's doing the rising? I mean, yeah, I am, will rise. Yeah, I am rise. But it is, but they do say by your spirit yeah. and um, you, you know, to their credit um, side note, a lowercase Y followed by a space followed by a, 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 a large Y is a very difficult thing to kern, but that's <laughs> completely beside the point. But uh, from the ashes of defeat, I mean, when you're looking at that, um, that is uh, obviously uh, one of these lines that you hear in a lot of um, Christian music, uh, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate, really. I mean, I would think that we have better things to pull from yeah. uh, than yeah, having it's... to borrow kind of this um, Phoenix. It's, uh, it's very cliche. Oh, uh, it's it is it's very cliche and uh, I don't remember what all we've talked about on the show. I've had so many conversations about ashes and of defeat with yeah other people. I was trying to remember the same thing. Uh, and so I don't remember if we've said this in the show, but if I have, you're going to hear it again. Um, the, the problem with the idea of rising from the ashes of defeat, it's it's it is twofold. It is a syncretistic thing, even if it's accidental syncretism which would be a really cool band name, Accidental Syncretism. Um, <laughs> but it also, it's taking a, a, an image that is in the Bible and it's not using it correctly. Um, ashes in the Bible was something that, um, that went along with um, 
either mourning or repentance. If you were, uh, like if someone died, you would put ashes on your head. Um, but also if you were met with your own sin and were just utterly devastated, you would also put ashes on your head and Mm -hmm. the, um, the, like, or the origins of Ash Wednesday, uh, which was the beginning of the Lenten season and tomorrow is Easter, the end of the Lenten season, uh, just tying it all together. Um, the idea of putting the ashes on your head was you saying, I am going to repent of my sin and, uh, in preparation for Easter. And, um, and so ashes need to correspond with the idea of repentance or of mourning, but this, uh, these ashes are corresponding with, uh, victory, um, Mm -hmm. victory over, doesn't even say that's, that's one of the, that's one of the hard parts about this is it doesn't even say who the victory is over in this, in the context. It just says, I'm declaring victory, which to say I am declaring victory is really like heavily name it and claim it. Um, one of the best illustrations I've ever heard on like victory as it should be talked about is the victory of David over Goliath, which was a foreshadowing of the victory of Christ over Satan. Um, it was its own thing at the time, David defeating uh, Goliath and liberating Israel from the Philistines, but it was also a foreshadowing of Christ's future defeat over Satan and delivering the church from their sin. Um, I didn't do any of the work. I was the pants, uh, the pants soiling, sniveling Israelite, um, <laughs> to quote Adam Ford. Um, cause you know, we've got to quote Adam Ford. It's not a Baldwin Gilead show if we don't quote Adam Ford. Um, right. Go out and subscribe to discern and also to, uh, Babylon B, uh, and make them happy. I really miss Adam Ford. <laughs> Uh, I also listen to the Babylon B podcast. Yes. Uh, worth yeah. a listen. We're definitely. So anyway, um, yeah. And so David defeated Goliath. The battle was over, but the Israelites got to go and enjoy the victory that David uh, conquered, that David purchased. And they had to then def- like chase down the Philistines and still were fighting but the victory was, was won. Um, but this idea of declaring victory is just really, really off. Uh, in your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me, especially in the context of the chanting. It's, it, it's just really, really bizarre. And I don't, I don't like that. Um, it does not like in the first time it said the word victory, your name, your name is victory. Um, it just set it out of context and moved on, which is, which is vague and not my favorite, but this next time it's setting it in an improper context. It's not, um, it's mistreating the word victory and it's, and it feels really name it and claim it, which then, uh, the bridge, the entire bridge is just a, an expansion of the chorus. And so, um, yeah, it, it, when you go back to the chorus, you get it through the lens of the bridge. Um, also the bridge 
you know, it says your name, uh, by your name, I come alive. And then again, they don't mention Jesus, the word Jesus. And so that is a, um, it's odd. It's a, it's a mark of bad songwriting. Uh, it's inconsistent. If I really, truly believe that his name is victory, then I'm going to use his name and they don't. Uh, right. And, Oh, depending on how you use that, that could be a third commandment violation too. Um, cause the name of God, it, uh, God's name is holy. And mm-hmm. so if you're just using it to, yeah, if you're know, using his name what, as a magic word to declare your victory, then yeah, that'd be a third commandment violation. Right. So you gotta be careful. I, I, I don't know. Like that's, um, I, it, it, it should at least give you pause. Right. And so, um, most songs, once they hit the, um, the chorus bridge infinity loop, uh, they eventually (laughs) come to an end after the EMT comes and carts the music minister off the stage. But this song throws in an extra verse at the very end and it ends on another verse. And it's one of those might should have quit while it was almost ahead. Um, It says the the tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. By the way, that first two lines, I like the the word borrowed. Was borrowed for three days. Great. His body there would not remain. Our God has robbed the grave. Um, that is not as good. Not not as good. <laughs> I, I, Why is that? I know what they were going for. They were trying to say something clever. Because God the Father resurrected Jesus and Jesus was gone. However, one of the um, you know one of the lies that the you know the Sanhedrin was trying to spread was that the disciples robbed the grave. So robbing the grave would imply the body was still dead and was removed from the grave forcibly, and. Uh, and so God didn't rob the grave because that would imply that Jesus was still dead. But on top of that, robbing uh, is sinful. Robbing graves was sinful. And God the Father is perfect. And so to imply even tongue-in-cheek implication that God did something um, sinful is a third commandment violation. And, uh, and so to say that God robbed the grave while we understand what they meant, it, it just is not the best way to put it. Um, however, it sounds really similar in a lot of ways to something that Stephen Furtick, the pastor of elevation church. So the, and he even has a writing credit on this song. Um, Uh, He said once from the pulpit uh, that we got a lot of people talking. You've probably heard it. If you care enough to listen to a discernment podcast on worship, you've probably heard this snippet, but I will go ahead and say it again. Uh, I'm glad that you're reading it. Uh, Ironically enough, I have not uh, actually heard this segment, but I better, our listeners are much better informed than I am. (laughs) Okay. So uh, this is several years back, but this is one of those things that got people really talking about. Hmm, I don't know about this. It says, uh, what will really turn your heart to God is not when you hear his laws. 
uh, which were given for our good, by the way, uh, but they were powerless because there wasn't enough leverage in our actions to keep the law. So far, so good. Uh, so what God did when he sent his son, and this is why we get excited in church. This is why uh, tears fill our eyes when we think about Jesus. And this is why the gospel is still good news in the world today. Because God broke the law for love. I said it. Uh, I, I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. I mean that he scooped you up in his arms. I mean that he's carrying you in his grace. I mean that what the law was powerless to do, uh, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did, uh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of a sinful man. Uh, he also, in this particular narrative, in this sermon, he likened it to if uh, your child fell from the monkey bars and broke his leg, uh, a loving father might put, a, put the son in the car and speed all the way to the hospital, breaking all of the traffic laws to, uh, to get his son to the hospital in time. Uh, I mean... You know, to some extent, I can understand what he is going with in the sinful, fallen human but, condition. We might do that, but it's still yeah. wrong. Uh, There's a big problem there because he's trying to ascribe to God yeah. a human, uh, a human thing to do, right? Right. Um, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about God having communicable and incommunicable attributes. Yeah. And we're trying to go the other, well, what he's trying to do is go the other way and say, well, because people are like this, God is like this because a good father is like this, then that's what God is like. And that is, um, unfortunately uh, that'll get you in a lot of trouble if you <laughs> pursue that line of, uh, thought. Uh, yeah. Too that's, far. that's the kind of, that's the kind of, thought process had be like of course god would give you a snake instead of uh, instead of a fish i mean i would <laughs> yeah that's why um that's that, that that's why we don't do these things yes, brian that is why that's, we don't that's do a terrible things. thing to do and and <laughs> stop giving your children snakes instead of bread and or stones instead of bread and snakes instead but, of whatever else but i have to i have to give my daughter a snake because i couldn't catch the leviathan oh well um sorry i just, that just was, don't have enough faith that was random um <laughs> can we also talk about uh the other part of robbing the grave i mean first of yeah. all uh, think about the, what robbing is right you're taking something that doesn't belong to you it's ascribing uh a, a eighth commandment, yeah. eighth, eighth commandment yeah, I violation. Was trying to count myself, yeah. Uh, to to God that we and we kind of talk about that, but also we're we're saying that somehow the grave owned God, uh, that somehow death owned God, and I think what the resurrection shows us is rather that God owns death like he yeah he like he, pwn you know yeah owned he po- it. He po- yeah god that's, owned the grave that's yes that's okay you know you Don't, know how we we rewrite that. when we rewrite music that's that's how we're rewriting the song our god has pwned the grave 
Oh my word! That geez. is that is what we're that doing. Seems a little. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, it's still oh yeah. That's still unorthodox. The, um, the point I'm trying to say is that oh death, where God is your sting? Conquered it. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, yeah, where exactly. is your victory? Right. Yes. There's better the ways grave, to say it. The grave was never going to win. Right. Um, the, the, like that. It's not even like a thing that could have happened. Um, yeah. So saying that it's robbing the grave is ascribing too much power to the grave. Yeah. I, absolutely and not enough was. to God. And maybe actually, maybe it's ascribing too little power to God. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be very precise. Right. Uh, I don't know if I'm getting it right. Uh, if I'm not right in, tell us uh, on our Slack channel. On our Slack channel. So I also or email us. Um, I also I found two articles. I found a lot of articles, but I, I liked these particular two articles. Uh, one is from Tim Challies, and the other uh, was a Gospel Coalition article back when it was still legit, and it was uh, Jared C. Wilson. Um, so the Tim Challies article, uh, he said, Did God break the law for love? It might seem like he did or like he had to. After all, he has made sinners right before a holy God. Ah, yes, but not by breaking the law. The mystery of the cross is how God could satisfy the demands of the law while offering mercy to those condemned by that very law. The miracle of the cross is that God actually does this. He justifies sinners while keeping every demand of the law. And so what he's saying is, um, you know, God didn't break the law for love. He fulfilled the law for love. Yes. Yeah. And so in fulfilling the law for love, he was able to award mercy to those who have broken the law uh, because, um, because one who did keep the law took the punishment for those um, that was deserved by breaking that who broke the law. So I broke the law and deserved death. Christ kept the law and deserved life. And so he swapped the rewards and in doing so, I am justified. And, uh, and so that's, that's the beauty of the cross. Uh, Jared C. Wilson, his article was, uh, was titled, um, it was, I didn't write down the title, but it was, uh, Oh, I have it right here. Yeah, God, God broke, broke the antinomianism, antinomianism for, for the law. Yeah. Yeah. God yeah. broke antinomianism for love. I like that title. I just forgot. Yeah. So, uh, this is Gospel Coalition. It says, The Christian God is both just and justifier, and he does his justifying as an act of sheer grace, forgiving sinners not by their obedience, because they can never obey well enough, but by Christ's obedience, which is perfect, and thus perfectly fulfills the perfectly holy law of God. In fact, when you do a bit of reverse engineering on the atonement, knowing this, you can see that, in fact, it wouldn't be very loving at all for God to have broken his own laws to save us, because an atonement made by a law not perfectly kept is no atonement at all. If God broke his law to save me, I am not saved, because what is needed is perfection. Uh, it would not be perfectly loving for our holy God to apply to me an imperfect atonement. But, in fact, the gospel announces not just that my sins are forgiven, but that I am counted righteous in Christ. 
And so, uh, yeah, all of that said, God didn't rob the grave. And God didn't break the law for love. Um, I wanted to share those two, you know, the song and the sermon. Because I've said before that it's important to know who is writing these mu- this music. It's important to know what their theology is. Because sometimes uh, their theology creeps in. Uh, well, every time their theology creeps in. But sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes they can't hide their bad theology. Uh, they they want to say something catchy and something sensational to catch the the listener and to make them say, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, that I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool." But it's wrong, and uh, yeah, and so you can't just say something. Uh, you can't just say something because it sounds cool. Uh, you have to actually say the truth. And I see that while we were talking, you put in another article. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. I mean, uh, this one is called, is God a lawbreaker? And, uh, it's from Todd Pruitt, who, uh, is frequently on mortification of spin. And he basically breaks down nine reasons why this claim God broke the law for love is, has, you know, what, nine serious errors at least you know uh one like we've been saying it declares god to be a sinner two it diminishes the righteousness of god uh which we kind of mentioned a little bit it diminishes the justice of god uh, number three uh, number four is it diminishes the goodness of god five it diminishes the sovereignty of god six it diminishes the goodness of god's law seven it undermines jesus relationship with the law Eight, it suggests that God is in conflict with himself. And nine, it undermines Christ's work on the cross. And I won't go into all of it for sake of time, but um, I will link the article, um, which I got to through the TGC article, (laughs) incidentally (laughs) enough. Um, But uh, I really like it when there's an author or somebody breaks it down like that for me. It's really easy to see, Oh, okay. Here's nine things. Why this other thing is true or not true. Um, And then you're able to better see it kind of like in a full orbed picture of like uh, all the, all the reasons why um, this is something to agree with or not. Um, But I will uh, link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And feel free to uh, dig deeper into that dear reader or listener. Yeah. So just kind of piggybacking on that and I'm just going to run down a rabbit trail because we're making really good use of time. Uh, (laughs) This is probably going to be our shortest show ever if I don't take this rabbit trail. So um, you're talking about how sometimes someone says something and someone else comes along and says, here's five reasons why that is wrong. Sometimes the original people then come by and say, here is a point by point while if you're five things are wrong and that's how you get the tulip that <laughs> i wondered if that's where you were going like i saw it all coming at me and i was like <laughs> i know where he's going <laughs> yeah uh calvin did not write tulip no uh, that is a commonly held misconception it's a misconception that i held at one point in my life uh but i have been freed from this ignorance um anyway Another as another 
uh, <laughs> spider of lightning streaks across the sky. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and get this episode finished so that if your power goes out, we'll we'll be good. So um, <laughs> so we're going to move on to Death Was Arrested by North Point Inside Out. We talked uh, an episode or so ago. Um, might have been one of the episodes 11, uh, which is what they shall always be called. Um, <laughs> where I talked about how North Point Inside Out was the music ministry under Andy Stanley. Um, oh, sure. Andy Stanley uh, is kind of a known, either near antinomian. I know there was like a whole slippery slope thing for a while, which was another Babylon Bee article about Andy Stanley going hiking and almost falling down the slope. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. Yeah. So we'll have to put that one in there. Um, and so uh, I've known about this song a long time before I realized that it was Andy Stanley's church. And it's one of those things I still I don't see the song any different. I think the song is still good. I, I, I like the song. There's it's not perfect. Um, not any song. There's only 150 of those, I think, but that are, yes, that are perfect. Uh, um, I would say so. So uh, type zero, type zero songs. songs. Yeah. Those are the perfect ones, but, um, this has some really good stuff in it. It's got some really solid stuff in it. Uh, I know that some of our Slack listeners will disagree with me on this song. Cause I've talked with them about that in the past. So please feel free to jump up on Slack and say, you're wrong and here's why here's a bullet list uh and uh it's an an unnumbered bullet list of reasons of why you are wrong um anyway i'll just get into it alone (laughs) in my sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-G, grew quiet. My feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began, O oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free, forever, amen. When death was arrested and my life began. Um, I completely forgot to pause throughout the song and comment. I was just into it. So uh, so we'll go back. Oh, no, you're good. Um, so in the first couple of verses, um, first line, alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, um, we, we get the that um, lens of sin going into the song. Um, and I said this in our, our pre-game warm-up, that <laughs> a lot of times um, when sin is mentioned early in a song, then you kind of see the whole song through the lens of the word sin, whereas if sin is kind of at the end of a song, then and you have weaker language at the beginning of the song, then 
sin kind of gets diminished. Like sin is viewed through the lens of the other words. Um, And so we do have some weak words in the song. Uh, Like in verse three, my shame was a ransom you faithfully bore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, even we have sorrow in the first line, but um, I, I am okay with weaker words if they're seen through the lens of sin. And if they help to describe what sin is. Um, alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin are two very similar things. So uh, if I'm dead in my sin, I'm probably also alone in my sorrow. I'm lost without hope. I have no place to begin. Um, but it was your love that made a way to let mercy come in. And that's when death was arrested. My life began. Um, and he talks about Ash, but he talks about it correctly. Ash was redeemed. Only beauty remains. So Ash, if you think of it as, um, the remains, you know, Ash as, um, you know, what I have been sitting in due to my mourning, due to my being alone in my sorrow, due to being lost without hope, um, as kind of a symbol of repentance, uh, that ash was redeemed and now only beauty remains. Um, in the very least, it's not rising from the ashes of defeat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, that that's where he gets dangerously close to that slippery slope. Uh, yes. is that is that what you're talking about there? <laughs> no, uh, no. And also, Andy Stanley doesn't have a writing credit on this song, so. Uh, well, okay. My orphan heart was given a name. Uh, my morning grew grew quiet. My feet rose to dance is a clear reference to he will turn your morning into dancing. Um, mm-hmm. And so having clear reference to scripture is always a plus. When death was arrested, my life began. Um, the chorus has something very, very interesting. It's something I talked about, again, a couple episodes ago. Um, something the songs don't do very often that I was really pleasantly surprised by. It says in the first kind of half of the chorus your grace so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on us you have made us new now life begins with you he talks about the individual he talks about the corporate um you know christ died for me as an individual but he also died for us as the church and there's both points most songs just talk about the individual some will talk about just the corporate. Very few talk about both. And I thought that was a really, really cool um, aspect of this particular song, how they mention Christ dying for me as an individual, but Christ dying for us as um, as a body. Um, also, in the chorus, it's your grace so free uh, washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. Uh, you is definitely stated more than me, but it's also stated in more importance. It's stated first. It's stated as the uh, the actor. I'm just the passive. Um, your grace, your work has washed me. So I was passive. You were active. You have made me new. He is active. I am passive. Um, it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Yeah, uh, release from my chains. I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested. My life began. So this, we get some descriptive aspects. Um, you know, if I have sinned, then there is a debt that I must pay. That debt is my life. 
And so uh, if I have sinned, then what I owe is eternity in hell. Uh, so canceling the debt is a good, uh, it's a good way to say I am forgiven. Uh, you know, in the Lord's prayer, he says, forgive me my debts as, or as, um, as I have forgiven my debtors. So we get a tie into that, um, kind of language. Um, not a big fan of shame, but it's not the worst. Um, there's other words that are a lot worse than shame. Shame is definitely, I'd say a fear or is a, um, it is an aspect of specific fear. And so it's in the right direction. Um, and since we do have a lot of stronger words in the song, I'm, I'm willing to overlook that one because it's, it is more of a helping word than a defining word, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially it being in the third verse. Um, and then the fourth verse is where we get the actual, um, you know, our savior displayed on a criminal's cross. We get the, the visual narrative of the crucifixion darkness rejoices that heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested. My life began. Um, this is very descriptive of what this, like, your name is victory, uh, was trying to get it across. You know, Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That freedom is victory over sin. Um, and so we get a, a descriptive, a descriptor of, you know, claiming victory uh, without using the word victory and mm-hmm. being a lot more descriptive and setting the correct context for what that would be. So if he had used the word victory after, after all of that language, that would have set the proper context for it. Um, the, the bridge is, is kind of a chanty bridge as well. Um, oh, yeah. the bridge is not my favorite. Um, <laughs> we're free, free forever. We're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes. We're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested, my life began. And they sing it a lot and then go, oh, yeah. uh, when I do the song, I usually sing it once, maybe twice. Um, and an end, I don't go back into the chorus. I don't know. I don't remember if they go back into the chorus or not, but that's, um, yeah. Uh, I don't remember either. Um, we'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe. anyway, there is something to say. Uh, when a chorus is chanty or when there's something, when there's an aspect of the performance of a particular song that I don't like, you don't have to emulate that when you're, when you're doing the song. If you can, if you can rearrange the song to where you can cut out some sort of performance issues, then, Mm -hmm. you know, by all means, uh, change it. Um, there was probably something I wanted to say about Oh, I, Brian, how do we know that this is uh, okay to, you know, be sung in uh, reformed circles? Um, how do I know that it is okay to be yeah. re- to be sung in how, reformed circles? How would you answer that? Yeah. Um, I would say that it is okay to sing this in, re- in reformed circles because this song really highlights the sovereignty of God and the... Um, the action of God over the action of man. There is nothing about, um, there's not like an altar call moment. There's just a, I'm, I'm free because of what Christ has done. Well, that is a wonderful, wonderful answer. Uh, what I was going for, for was a little bit, uh, lower 
uh, than that. And it, it's just Shane and Shane also recorded the song. Okay. So they are like so we we can sing it because Shane and Shane sang it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I am I am going to say that Aaron Schust recorded mm-hmm. resurrecting. I knew I didn't like Aaron Schust. <laughs> he's Presbyterian. <laughs> oh yeah, he's my favorite guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Why did he do that? I don't know. Uh, that, that, it baffled we'll me. I'm on the show. Uh, show I, I know someone who knows him. You no. Know. Excellent. Is it the guy that we also want to come on the show? No. From Salos? No? No. Okay. I don't think he knows very many people. But, um, uh, no, I mean, Cody Curtis, I, I, I honestly I have no idea who Cody Curtis knows, but uh, he he does everything himself. Like, he's just incredibly talented. But, no, my, my old pastor – my pastor in Jonesboro, um, a guy named Jeff Rayford. If you're listening, Jeff, I love you. Um, Jeff uh, did a parachute church plant in from Atlanta, Georgia, and he um, was originally from uh, Perimeter Church in Atlanta where um, Aaron Schust is on the music ministry team, as is Laura Story. Oh, and if you ever read Laura story's book, uh, when God doesn't fix it, she talks about her coworkers. And one of the coworkers that she mentions is Jeff Rayford, who was my pastor. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have not read her book. Uh, however, we do like Laura story quite a bit too. Um, anyway, Aaron Schust. Cool. Uh, call in if, if you're listening, um, so it, is the Eagles song reformed? The Eagles? The Eagles song by Shane and Shane. Eagles song? Oh, good grief, man. The Eagles song? The Eagles song by Shane and Shane. Go flogging oh, that, oh, Eagles oh, song. Oh, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yes. Okay. I would say yes. That is reformed. Okay. Yes. Um, no, Shane and Shane, they're, 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 probably a good litmus test and Aaron Schust is probably a typically a good litmus test as well, except for he's saying resurrecting and there's that. So I, I liked your uh, description a lot better, but I did think it was great. Um, you know, <laughs> my, but, uh, mine was contextual. Yours was left field. That one, that, that type yeah. of thing. So uh, anyway, yeah, yours is definitely better. Um, I wanted to point out some things of these songs that are really similar and, uh, and, and I think it's important to do that as well. Both songs structurally have um, their verses are very word heavy and their choruses are not as much. And that is a trait that is very different than a lot of modern songs. A lot of modern songs even like elevation songs, they'll have like the verses will have like three lines and then the chorus will be this really big, long string of words. But both of these are very meditative, um, choruses and more, um, they take time in the verses for like the teaching element. Um, Mm -hmm. so I thought that was really interesting. They also talk about like the subject matter, is very, very similar. I chose these songs mostly because the subject matter was so similar. They talk about a lot of the same words. Um, 
the uh, death was arrested doesn't say the word victory, but it describes it. Uh, they both talk about ashes in probably a way that they were intending to be about the same, but one of it just like death was arrested just did it so much better than resurrecting, which used the Phoenix imagery. Um, <laughs> and um, both of them, they were really trying to pull from, from the scriptures. They're really both trying to, to say things correctly. Uh, resurrecting, started off well the first couple verses did really well and then it just kind of fell off into uh into bad songwriting whereas death was arrested held on to good songwriting practices um kept up the the poetry that didn't fizzle out after the second verse oh yeah the other thing i was going to say uh and i thought it was also interesting how they both had verse one, verse two, and then the chorus, and then a verse three, and then a chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, Death was arrested, went on to have a verse four, and then a chorus, and then the bridge, whereas Death was arrested had the bridge before verse four. But So they're both very similarly structured, four verses, chorus, and a bridge. Does that have a bearing on... Like a... I guess, like, what are you trying to bring out of that? Um, some of it is just ramble, but some of it is um, there's there's a lot of content in both of these songs. Like, they're they're both, I think, even like when you think of like a hymn, like neither one of these songs are I would consider to be like a modern hymn, but mm-hmm. they're they're mm-hmm. trying to do that like four verse. Um, mm-hmm. model like a lot of hymns do where the the narrative is moved along in the verses a lot of modern songs don't have like a narrative in the verses anymore like that's something that's not done as much yeah it's a sort of like a chunk and then another chunk and yeah. then another chunk a lot of times the verses are abstract and the chorus is more is has more substance to it but yeah. both of these um the Death with Arrested does have a very substantial chorus, uh, but it it is more long, drawn-out words, whereas the verses are really... Um, the words kind of move really quickly. Um, theologically, there's not much to do with that. That's more of like song makeup and um, poetry and and the, just the song structure, which we don't talk about as much as we probably should, because that is as we have said, some of the questions we ask. Uh, Theologically speaking, Death Was Arrested does a lot better than Resurrecting, especially in the latter half of the song. Okay, I can go with that. But the titles, I mean, well, not the titles, but the kind of the the title Death Was Arrested Uh versus Our God Has Robbed the Grave. Do they not both feel a bit the same level of cloying? Um, no, and I'd say the, the different things, uh, our God has robbed the grave is definitely, you know, God is in that act. God is robbing, God is thieving. He is breaking the eighth commandment. Um, whereas arresting, you know, police arrest people, um, as a way to uphold the law. And so death was arrested, 
which also arrested just means stopped. Um, mm-hmm. So death was stopped. Death was, um, it was defeated. You know, it was, it was taken out of the game. Um, it was, it, I'd say both are very, um, both are sensational. Um, and in the, in God, our God has robbed the grave. They're trying to say something sensational to get your attention. And I think death was arrested is doing the same thing. It's saying something sensational to get your attention. But the difference between the two is God didn't rob the grave, but death was arrested. Um, so if you're going to say something, um, if you're going to say something sensational, you need to say something true. And, um, and like talk about reckless love. That was a sensational thing. He was saying that sensationally Uh to get your attention. And he did, he got your attention. And that song hit number one and stayed number one for a really long time. 30 some odd weeks, uh, like, you know, eight months, nine months, something like that. It was number one and everyone was talking about it. Um, death was arrested. It's sensational language, but it's correct. Sensational language. Oh, death, where is your sting? That's sensational language. And that's in the Bible. So sensational language isn't something that's wrong, but it's something that you have to say something true. It has to coincide with truth or else it, um, it leads you away from the truth. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's not wrong for being eye catching, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's more about is the actual statement itself, uh, true or not. Yeah. Um, sensational language is definitely, I would, I would call that yellow flag. Um, if something, if something is sensational for the sake of being sensational, uh, I will tend to frown upon it, but if something is sensational and then in so draws you to the truth in a new way, um, or an interesting way, then that is a good use of poetic device. I hear you. I hear you. All right. We'll go with it. I like it. It's not necessarily yellow journalism. <laughs> True. Just a yellow flag. Just a yellow flag. Yeah, I, I, I have terms I use in my head. Uh, green flag would be something that is um, noticeably good. Like if it's uh-huh. like, oh, wow, that's really good. Like alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. I like that line. But even... The going back to the other song, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory. Now it's a green flag. Like that's a really noticeably good line. Um, I mean, I would even go as far as to say that reckless love has more green flags than red flags. However, you get a red flag. That's a, it's a no. Um, if you have a lot of yellow flags, like a lot of yellow flags can kind of lead to a red flag. Um, I would say that, uh, 10,000, um, billion or hundred billion X has a whole lot of yellow flags. Um, it's got a lot of green flags. It has more green flags and yellow flags and it doesn't have any red flags, but the yellow flags are, are substantial, um, in that particular song. They're very dark yellow. They're very dark yellow. They're more like, uh, burnt Sienna. (laughs) Somebody knows their Crayola kind. (laughs) <laughs> that I do. I've got children. Um, and lots of them. Yes, that's exciting. So 
this flag idea might be something that we need to uh, explore further. What constitutes your colored flags? And then you have not only that, but we have the song types, type zero through four. Plus there is the, uh, the scaling for judging a song and figuring out um, like whether the song's any good. Yeah, we'll or mail not. out we're gonna mail out a handbook. We need yeah, we need we need matrices we is do. what we need. No Yes. I, we need a pivot table or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, pivot table. That would be I'm I'm good. speaking for the people here. I'm speaking for the listeners. Um the both of them. I will be completely honest that the whole flag system that I have is more or less completely in my head and is also more or less completely dependent upon how I feel on the given day <laughs> and um, is not science and is purely my opinion. You heard it here, folks. Heard it here the first. Blew here. Um, <laughs> really blew that. Yeah, no. Um, no, we, I, we, I do have a whole lot of, of things. I've got the, you know, the song types. I've got the, um, the six, the six questions I've got yeah I've, I've got so many different different scales that we've talked about but you know what we're doing right now we're rambling we're rambling pretty hard <laughs> well we're at the end I mean like I see nothing left in fact we're yeah. at the end of our whole show document which we're at the means... end, we're at the end of everything and and this is going to be one of our shorter episodes which is fine we can have some shorter episodes. Uh, I did want to I think shorter episodes are what the people want. Yeah, probably so. This I, is a good thing. I did want to point out earlier that uh, we had two episodes back to back where we didn't talk about music at all. And then we had three where all we did was read song lyrics. Well, we're just making up for lost time. We're just as long as time. it all balances. Technically out. it was just two episodes because episodes 11 was just one episode. Episodes 11. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Love it. Oh my word. All right. We are such geeks. Yeah. But uh that said, um we have discussed quite a bit. So is God a lawbreaker? No. I wouldn't say so. No, no. He is not. Um He is a... therefore resurrecting type two. Type two song. Which um and I, I wouldn't actually even classified as type two it is still type one it's just no good it's a no good type one song it's a no good yeah. type one song it's like so it's one of those type one songs you just you put that toward, towards the back of your worship folders if you will and yeah. uh don't just don't even do it yeah death was arrested on the other hand uh there is some real merit there there's some real merit we used to do that one at my my church uh in jonesboro where uh i just, I, just, I really like that song it was a good one is that because he knew shane and shane and shane and shane liked it a lot no he liked aaron he, he knew aaron shoes aaron shoes all he all did, those he didn't know shane or shane okay as far as i'm aware excellent yeah so that's it in honor of tomorrow, which, if you're listening to this, was yesterday. Unless you're listening to this in the future, then it was a while ago. Actually, it's every Sunday. It's every Sunday. Every Sunday. There you go. Thank you. Yes. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose.
there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. It is interesting, by the way, how many different articles Babylon Bee produced out of the uh, unhitch from the Old Testament uh, (laughs) motif. I count no less than five, and I have linked them all. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. in addition to the unhitch from the OT, uh, Old Testament debate between uh, Andy Stanley and uh, Apologia Church guy, uh, what's yeah. his name? Um, what is his name? I just know. Come he, on, I know what he looks like, like. He's got a beard, yeah. and a necklace. Oh, yeah. And he was in uh, he was a Ninja Turtle, like before he was in like he was, uh, and also in um, Mortal Kombat. Like, I don't know if you've heard these stories before. I have not. Anyway, he's, he's an a actor? really interesting guy. Oh yeah, nice. I didn't know that. Um, I just know that he's Summer White's Ta- pastor. No. Jeff Durbin. Jeff, Jeff Durbin. Durbin. Yeah, he's Summer yeah. White's pastor. I know that much. Yes, he is Summer White's pastor because um, Summer White's dad is the elder at one of the elders at Apologia, yeah, in Arizona, who have made the interesting decision to not cancel services from one of her. Anyway, that anyway. is a rabbit trail. We do not need to go down tonight. Oh, that's going to be the. Uh, that's going to be the post credits. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Thrilled. <laughs>